Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the 21 News Podcast, continuing our series of conversations with candidates running for the U.S. Senate seat currently held by Rob Portman. Joining us today, we have J.D. Vance. J.D., thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Good to be with you. Perfect. Um, it, it, it's a crowded Republican field. So the first thing we like to ask each candidate in this race is how do you define yourself as a candidate? Well, I, I just want to actually fight for normal Americans who want to have a good life in their own country. Um, and I think that means Ohioans who don't right now, I think, have great representation if they just want to live a good life, if they want to work in a good job, if they want to have their values respected, if they want to go to school, have their kids go to school and, and learn that their country is a good country and not an evil and racist country. Uh, we need better public policy in Washington, D.C., and we need people to stand up for uh, people who, who think the way that I do. And I think that that's most Ohioans. And I think I want to be a good representative excuse me, a good representative uh, for them in, in the U.S. Senate. Now, arguably, you have the most name recognition of any candidates in this race, with your book having grabbed the attention of politicians across the spectrum and was made into a major motion picture. Yet the little bit of polling that's out there so far has Josh Mandel way ahead of the rest of the field. How does your message differ from any of the other candidates? Yeah, well, you know, you live by the polling and die by the polling. I, I think that the polling we've seen recently has, has us with a ton of momentum. Um, that's good. But of course, it's not something we want to hang our hats on too much because, you know, the polling may change next month. And as we learned in 2016 and 2020, the polling isn't always good. Uh, but I do feel like we've got a ton of momentum in this race. And the way that I distinguish myself is I'm just trying to be a more interesting and more honest candidate. When I hear so many politicians speak, I think they deal with platitudes and generalities. They say things like, we want to make our country more safe, more secure, more free. Well, of course, that's all true. Uh, but how are you actually going to do that? What are the substantive ideas for how to make our country better? Uh, we, want to, we want to bring trade manufacturing jobs uh, back to our country. How do, you, how do we actually do that? How do we pursue better trade policies to do that? We want to ensure that our kids aren't learning critical race theory in our schools, but are we willing to use the financial levers of the federal government to actually do that? I, I just think that so many people are hungry for real substance. Uh, we all agree as Republicans, or we mostly agree on what we want the country to look like. I think there's a lot of uncertainty about how to actually get there, given how many of our institutions have basically been captured by the left. And I don't just mean the Biden administration. You know, I mean, multinational corporations, they've gone in the tank for the left. Uh, I mean, I mean, our academy, I mean, our media, um, at least our national media. And I think given that recognition, we need somebody who's actually a little bit more thoughtful uh, to actually a little bit more thoughtful about what's really going on and how to push back against it substantively. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads into my next question is you've been critical of Donald Trump in the past, going so far as to say that you did not vote for him in 2016. Since then, you've shifted to trying to garner favor with his voters. And GQ just yesterday ran a profile of you that characterizes your style as a type of Trump conservatism that is, quote, more thoughtful and grown up than the style favored by Mandel and the former president. Do you need Trump to endorse you to succeed in this race? Well, I, I just want to you know, take take slight issue with something. I, I don't think that I changed my tune on Trump to garner support of his voters. I've been publicly supportive of President Trump for the last several years uh, because I think that he did a good job for the people I care about. And the people I care about are the working and middle class voters of Ohio. Um, and so I, 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 you know, not afraid to change my mind and not afraid to be honest about the fact uh, that I changed my mind. But I think it's important to recognize 
uh, when somebody does a good job, uh, we should we should honor that and we should be honest about that fact and we should support that person for president. And that's what I did uh, for President Trump in, in 2020. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, I, I think of my style as 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 anything in particular. I just try to be an honest person uh, who's who's thoughtful and direct about what I see as the real problems in the country. And if people want to say uh, that's that's that's, you know, Trump conservatism, uh, then I'm, I'm happy to take that label. But I think most importantly, I, I just want to stand for American citizens first. I want to make sure that people whose grandparents and parents built this country are able to still live a good life in it. If you become the standard for the GOP party, where do you see the future of the party going and how do you overcome the extremist elements, particularly those who are still um, parroting lies about a stolen election or misinformation about the pandemic? Well, I think it's important to understand that people have real concerns about the election in 2020. And I think that there's there's this constant debate, you know, was it stolen or wasn't it stolen? And to me, the most important thing is to focus on the details of what we know. You know, we, we know that Pennsylvania uh, really did change the way that they both cast and counted absentee ballots in the run up to the election. We know that our big tech companies actively censored information that was critical of the 2020 um, Democratic presidential candidate, now the president, Joe Biden. Uh, so, so, so when people see real censorship happening in their country in the run-up to the election, when they see states changing the rules, I don't think the right response is to wag our finger at them and say that they're bad. I think their proper response is to make our election system a little bit more secure so that everybody has faith in the election system, no matter who they voted for. Uh, and I think, you know, COVID is obviously terrible. It's killed a lot of people. It's made a lot of people very sick. Uh, but I think what most Republicans are, 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 are wanting is not you know, a rejection of the idea that COVID is a serious illness that we should take seriously. I think they just want a, a little bit of, of, a, of a confidence that we're eventually gonna return to normal. Okay, so COVID is clearly a serious problem, uh, but are we gonna have our kids masked in schools for the next 20 years? I don't want that. I don't think it's good for the kids. I certainly don't think it's good uh, for, for their long-term health. I think a lot of people on these issues, it's not that they, they they engage in misinformation on COVID. I just think they want some return to normalcy and want our politicians and our leaders to balance the real risk of the pandemic against the fact that we all need to have something like a normal life or we're just going to be miserable, even if we might be safe from a virus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Switching gears here. Um, you're a veteran and you've been critical of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan particularly arguing against taking in refugees. What should the U.S. be doing differently with regard to refugees? Couldn't it be argued that not doing so creates a generation of people with new hostilities in the U.S.? Well, I think there are a couple of things uh, to point out. I mean, first, I actually agreed with President Trump and a lot of other folks that we did need to get out of Afghanistan. We can't stay there forever. Uh, the big mistake that we made is we actually allowed the Taliban to overrun one of the biggest air bases in the country before we got our own people out. You know, if you're going to leave a place, you, you better make sure that you actually have access to an airport so that you can fly your own people home. And that was the big mistake the Biden folks have made. So you have all these people now who are effectively hostages of the Taliban. And when I say all these people, I'm talking about thousands, maybe over 10,000 U.S. citizens who can't get out without approval from the Taliban. That's a really terrible and dangerous place uh, for our country to be in. And we wouldn't be in that position without Joe Biden. Um, you know, on, on the question of the refugees, the problem with the refugees is not that there are people who need help. I think there are ways for us to help them without bringing them into our country. 
but most importantly, that we're not vetting them properly. I actually just talked to somebody, Danielle, before we, we hopped on, on the phone or on the, the video chat here, who told me that 90% of the refugees that are coming on these planes from Afghanistan are totally unvetted. They have no papers. We have no idea what their real name is. We have no idea who they came from or where they're, where they're from. And given that we know that Taliban, Al-Qaeda, other terrorist organizations are using our border to try to import effectively more violent people. I just think it's so irresponsible to be putting Afghan refugees at the head of the line when so many of our people are being held hostage by the Taliban. It's bad for our people that are still there, but I also think it invites a number of very bad people into the country if we're not careful about who we're letting in. Okay. All right. Um, heading into the, the final question just here is if elected, what are your top three bread and butter issues that you, if you have one term as senator, you want to see accomplished? Yeah, so the three things I talk most about are first immigration, because I think we have a really short-term crisis at our southern border. And, and I don't think a lot of people realize that in the southern border, we've had four times as much heroin and fentanyl coming across that southern border over the past six months compared to the same period of last year. That means more of this poison coming into our community, killing our people, making our, our cities less safe. We have got to get control of the southern border. We can't have hundreds of thousands of people, a ton of drugs, sex traffickers, drug traffickers pouring across the southern border, uh, or we're not going to have a safe and secure country four years from now. So that's priority number one. I think we have to finish the wall. We have to add more uh, border security agents to the southern border. We just have to stop this crisis. This is fundamentally a question of political willpower. You know, the second thing that I worry a lot about is long term, we have to make things in this country and we have to employ middle class people to do it. There's so much of the critical goods that we require are made by the Chinese. They've revealed themselves over the last year to not be good partners. In fact, I think they're actively hostile to our country. We're going to make more stuff here. We're going to make more pharmaceutical ingredients, more computer chip, chips, um, more everything so that we can have real self-determination in our own economy. And also, like I said, ensure that good middle-class people have manufacturing jobs to rely on. And then the final thing I'd point to is we're basically in a situation where three or four companies control the flow of information in our, in our entire country, where Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon say that you're not allowed to say something. They can basically prevent you, whether you're the president of the United States, as we saw with President Trump and Twitter and Facebook, or just a normal citizen from actually being able to speak your mind. And if that's true, we've basically given the First Amendment over to a bunch of companies that really don't have the best interest of this country at heart. You know, I know Silicon Valley well. I've worked there. I've invested in companies there. I don't think we should allow one city and one part of the country to basically determine what people are allowed to say, what people are allowed to think. It's really dangerous and we have to stop it. So I'm a big supporter of breaking these companies up and making it harder for them to harvest our data, uh, sell it to the Chinese and sell it back to us. Very good. Um, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that just that you would want to add to let our viewers and listeners know before making their decision? First, I encourage people to go to jdvance.com. That's our website. If you're interested in learning more about me, interested in supporting me, please do. I think, I think the second thing is that, look, we've got a really good country with a lot of good people. And the state of Ohio, I think, is primed for a lot of good growth and a lot of prosperity if we make the right decisions. But we're not going to be able to take advantage of it unless we send better people to D.C. That's why I'm running. I want to be a fighter for normal people. And I hope that folks will support me. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Thank we you. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. Appreciate it.